it is amazing to me how similar all of our law firms are. Even if we provide different services, we still have a very similar take on what to do and how to do things correct. Especially when you're dealing with anybody who works in the legal space, dealing with businesses like our guests today. So Keely Herrick is going to talk to us about her personal journey, but also explain to us about the work that she does. So every business has at least one brand. Working with a trademark attorney helps business owners to protect this important, important asset. Been an attorney for nearly 20 years of experience in the area, specializing in practical, efficient protection that lets you get back to business. Uh, has experience at a major law firm in New York City, law degree from NYU, and now she runs her own firm and provides a small firm's attention to clients with that same large firm experience. The um, There's somebody that referred to it as, shoot, what was it? It was like big enough to fear, small enough to care or something like that. And I was <laughs> like thinking that to heart. I thought it was such a cool way to kind of balance the best of both worlds. So I love what you're doing. Great. So we're going to dive into your story in a little bit. But before that, I want to talk about our last episode. Our last episode aired at the end of last year. We took a, about a week, week and a half hiatus. So our last episode was our year in review. We went through um, basically the about 100 episodes that we've hosted of Exhibit A Tourney so far. Talked about the consistent things between those, what we've learned from doing the show, as well as some tips and tricks for firm owners when it comes to branding, having a show, podcast, etc. like that. But enough about that. I want to hear your story. So <laughs> talk to me about NYU. Talk to me about the big firm life. Talk to me about the transition into opening your practice. Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations to you guys on almost 100 episodes. That's quite an accomplishment. That's that's a lot. Um, Thank you. I mean, I have the easy job, right? I just sit here and listen. So I... Well, I, yeah, I've, I've done a bit of that myself. Um, so it's I know it's not always so easy, but um, attorneys do like to talk about themselves. So I think that that's probably pretty a pretty good avenue. But um, yeah, so I grew up here in Atlanta, uh, and then I went to NYU for undergrad. Um, I thought I wanted to write for soap operas, so <laughs> I um, worked at One Life to Live for about three years off and on while I was in college um, in, in the writer's office, but, you know, a bunch of other things, too. And um, when I graduated, I worked for a year at um, a, a soap opera magazine interviewing soap stars. Um, so I actually was there, I got to go to the Emmys when Susan Lucci finally won after 19 years of being nominated. So that oh, was, wow. that was pretty exciting. Um, and, uh, and then after that, I was kind of like, well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really see an entire career's worth of, um, you know, work in that for me. Um, because, like at the time there were 10 uh, soap operas and then now I think there's only four. So it was already, the writing was kind of a little bit on the wall that that, that industry was was going in a different direction. Um, there are only four soap operas now? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And none of them film in New York anymore, um, you know? So that's also a big change. Um, I guess there's everything on the CW though, right? Like that's sort of like the modern soap opera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not the same, like, um, you know, the daytime ones filmed, you know, they had five episodes a week for, you know, with no holidays and stuff like that. So um, it's, it was just an entirely different industry and, and a lot more expensive than, you know, um, talk shows and, and all of that. So Interesting. They, they lost ground. Sense. Yeah. But um so as it was actually somebody, I think it was one of the casting people that first suggested that I, um, you know, if I wanted to be in the entertainment industry, that maybe I should think about law school. Um, 
and my dad uh, was a patent attorney. And so I had some sort of idea of what intellectual property was, you know, growing up with that. Um, and so I kind of went to law school on a bit of a whim. <laughs> um, I was like, well, at the time I was living in the East Village and um, commuting to New Jersey uh, for work at the magazine, um, which is like- Just for those of us who are crazy, how far is that? It was like an hour and a half on okay. like buses and uh, and the subway. over so it was the like GW. four miles. Yeah, over the GW bridge. And, you know, um, I, I would, like I said, I would, if a soap star was at the opening of a letter in Manhattan, I would go, <laughs> the, you know, and cover the event. Because uh, then it meant that I didn't have to go out to New Jersey that day. Um, but, you know, I was like, well, law school, law school is much closer um, <laughs> to my apartment. So <laughs> why don't, you know, why don't I do that? Um, and I took, I took an LSAT class and uh, then ended up doing, uh, you know, pretty well. And so I was like, well, okay, this is, you know, I'll go to law school and figure out like a new way of thinking at least, you know, it's like, I'm not going to be a lawyer, but you know, I had this sort of idea that like, this is, um, it'll broaden my horizons, you know, um, how many people, when you tell this story, hate you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, four years and couldn't get an NYU. Like quite possibly, but, but I think it was just like, I, my, it was something I was really sort of naturally um, inclined to do, uh, you know. Um, so anyway, but, but yeah, so so I, I ended up going to law school and writing um, and interviewing people. I mean, what do lawyers do? We write right. and we ask questions. I mean, you know. Right. And I, you know, I, I, I also was like, you know, I wrote poetry and stuff and I'm like, well, I had to give my whole spiel when I was interviewing at the time for jobs, you know, and I was like, well, it's, it's very similar because, you know, it's taking like a case is like a poem, you know, you have to examine something, this sort of, and pull something out of it and, you know, whatever. Uh, so I have, I have kind of very little sympathy for people that can't tell a good job interview story because <laughs> I had soap operas on my resume and had to try and convince law firms that what I really wanted to do was work there. Um, so I feel like, you know, you should, you should be able to come up with a good story, um, a good spin on things. But so I actually, then when, when I was in law school, um, I, uh, I worked at a couple of music labels at EMI and BMG. Um, you know, I did internships there instead of doing, um, of like law review or, or something like that. Um, I really, I liked working, uh, you know, it was my favorite part of law school was those jobs. Um, and I liked the practical application, you know, of actually trying to help solve problems and, and um, trying to be concise as opposed to, you know, law school where your goal is often to spin a hypothetical out, you know, into as, as far as it could possibly go into something that's, you know, very, not very likely to ever happen. Um, but I'm, I am very sort of, you know, uh, problem solving oriented, like that is what I like to do. So, yeah, I took this as, as, as a good sign. And, uh, then when I started taking, you know, like a trademarks class, um, it just really naturally fit with me because it's fighting over the differences between sight, sound, and meanings of words and phrases and designs. And, you know, it's, it's language. It's, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I don't get a lot of clients who come to me crying. <laughs> I say there's, there's no crying in IP, um, which is, uh, which is fine with me. Um, I don't think you really want to pay me to, you know, 
deal with your stress. Like that's what therapists are for. Um, and family law attorneys. Exactly. Yes. I know I could never do that. You know, coming from soap operas, I was, that was one of the areas I considered because that's kind of like the soapy type of law, you know, but um, no. <laughs> I would, my, I don't think my stomach could handle it. Um, I, I have a great respect for people who do that because it's it's very stressful and you have to sort of be a jack of all trades because you know when you're dividing up assets you have to like really understand um you know all different types of property and stuff like that too but um but yeah the, the stress part of it i wouldn't enjoy um so yeah so i started really enjoyed the ip classes that i took and and i sort of just took to that and um between my second and third years of law school i worked at um Rosamond and Colon, which eventually now is called Catton. Um, and I ended up joining the IP department there when I graduated. And they had just come over from another firm right before my summer. So um, they were still a pretty small department in a big firm and, and still kind of new there. So I was the first first year that they took in. Um, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah, it was really neat. Um, it was. and. Um, my my boss the head of the department she was really well known in the fashion industry so we had a lot of cool clients uh you know who were like you know some big name you know sort of fashion labels and things like that um and she was she was a really great person to learn from um i really appreciated that she didn't push litigation on people you know which in a big firm that's that's how you make money uh you know so um, it's it's hard to have a transactional practice in a in a large firm because it's a lot it's a lot easier to bill you know ten hours a day on a litigation. People expect you to do that, um, but when you're billing in like point ones and point twos of an hour, <laughs> you know it's a, it's a lot harder to uh, you know sort of make the number that is the you know the sort of neon light goal of working in a law firm like that. Um, yeah, in my in my former life as a practicing attorney, it always cracked me up the client who complained that you didn't work enough on their case, even though they were super happy with the result. I was like, you can pay right. me the money, I guess, <laughs> if you want. Yeah, efficiency, I don't think is really the goal. Um, you know, so I, th that's that. And and I, I stayed because, you know, I thought I would be there um a maximum of five years and um i ended up staying for eight uh which was a you know uh, most of my friends from law school did not last that long at the you know big firms um but i i you know i liked what i did and and i you know i, I liked people i worked with um but i just didn't want to be a partner in a big new york law firm um and i, I you know I, I think it was sort of one of the things for me is that you really have to uh, learn to define what success means for you. Um, you know, and when you're in that kind of environment, you're <laughs> you're, you're in a tunnel. You know, and um, success really has one definition. I think you know of of all right, you're supposed to become a partner, right? And and then you know, um, you know, and then and for a lot of people, that is that is a you know that is a really uh, you know, that is their goal. Um, but I didn't see it as being something that would make me happy. I didn't see, I saw a bunch of people achieving that and then it not making them happy, you know. Um, so I got to the point where I was really having to 
think, you know, about what, where my life was going, what to do. So I kind of eat, pray, loved it. Um, <laughs> I like to say that it was, it was more like think, drink, climb. Um, but so I, uh, yeah, I, I sold my apartment, um, you know, quit my job and broke up with my boyfriend at the time. Um, and I took a couple of years and, and traveled. Um, and I had shipped my stuff back to my, you know, my family's house in, uh, in here in Atlanta. And because um, I was like, well, if I'm going to be unemployed, it's a lot cheaper to do that in Atlanta than in New York. Um, so yeah, slightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. It's it's a little more hospitable on that end. Um, and and I had lived in New York at that point for I think 16, 17 years, which was a, a good run um, and really really fun in my twenties, and you know less fun as I hit my thirties. Um, <laughs> you know so. But yeah, so I, I traveled for a while and um, didn't know whether or not I was going to end up being a lawyer at the end of it. Um, if I did, I would have taken a lot more model documents. I tell you. There you go. <laughs> so that's, that's another thing nobody tells you. When you've only worked in a big firm, you think that everywhere you land, they're going to have <laughs> these amazing models for you. But then when you go to work at a smaller firm, you're like, oh, no, I have to recreate the wheel. Um, so that that's one lesson I would impart, I guess. Um, but but yeah, so then I, I ended up back here and did some temp work and then um, ended up with a secondment, um, you know, at a big corporation here. And, you know, that was like supposed to be a couple months and it, and it went for, you know, year or two, um, you know, and then uh, and I was doing that through a smaller firm and then. Uh, one of the attorneys, he and I left that firm and joined up with my brother, who was a solo practitioner at the time. And so we that's when we started K. Herrick, which is my my firm. Um, my, my brother's Kevin and I'm Keeley, so it's that's K. Oh. Herrick. Um, yeah, so, and that's been going now for six years. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's myself and Chase Scott is of counsel with us. We handle the trademark stuff. Um, and my brother really handles the administrative side of things. So it's like kind of fun. I get to order my my older brother around a little bit. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, so it's it's uh, it's been going really well. And, uh, you know, we all work remotely um, and sort of, you know, check in all the time. And um, that's that's how things are going. So. so sort of related, sort of unrelated. You mentioned you traveled for several years. So I am currently mm -hmm. in a cross country drive with my wife and kid. And oh wow! Jumping in from from Santa Fe right now. What were some of the coolest? I love Santa Fe. Um, <laughs> I will say I love Santa Fe. My I, I went there with a couple of friends years ago. We went to uh, Meow Wolf, which was awesome. Yep. I don't know if you guys have done that. Yep. But my favorite place on my travels, it's you know there's there's awesome things everywhere. But I, the one I went back to again, uh, it's like first I did it on my own, and then I went back with my parents. Is um. Chamonix in it's in France in the Alps where it's where Mont Blanc is um okay and you can take this like cable car basically you know from Italy to or from France to Italy and then back and it's just like you're just up in the middle of the mountains and it's you know sort of silent you can hear the ice melting and um it's just it's just phenomenally beautiful so um awesome yeah very cool all right so Having been with the firm for now six years with your firm, 
do you wish you had done it sooner or do you feel like you needed that, you know, that journey to get to the right place? Oh yeah. I, I needed that journey. And, um, the other thing I didn't mention is <laughs> when I, when I started the firm, um, all within six months, I bought a house, got married and started the firm. So that was, that was an intense year. Um, but yeah, I, the, I am definitely glad that I got the sort of lawyering part of things under my feet, uh, you know, uh, well in hand before I started trying to run a business because it's a whole other set of skills. Um, and there was so much that I didn't know. And, you know, some days my learning curve was, was really very steep. Um, and it, it certainly helped having my brother so he can, you know, help me with the billing and things like that. You know, that's not, um, not naturally in, in my skill set, but um, it, it just it, the, you know, sort of rainmaking part of things was something I never thought I would do. And um, I had worked with a business coach for about a year um, before that. And that, that helped me. That really did help change my perception of things. Um, so that was, that was a good journey, you know, to, to start things. So I know you had mentioned you wish you had taken a number of forms with you. Is there anything <laughs> else you wish you had done or pushed or not done at the larger firm before you left? No, I mean, because so part of it was is that I was looking around and I was like, you know, whatever, like my billing rate is what, like, I don't know what it was, like over $600 or something like that an hour. And, and you know, I was like, I don't have friends who are corporations, you know, <laughs> like, but I'm, and I was like, 30 or something like that. And, uh, you know, I was like, I don't see myself knowing people who can pay that much for me to, you know, do trademark searches for them. Uh, you know, that, that just seemed, that really has to be like a giant corporation. Um, so I was like, am I going to just sit and wait around to inherit a book of business from someone that's not really practical, you know, and um, a lot of the you know, there there were a few sort of like networking things that were targeted towards women at the time, but I will say that most of them involved like going to get your hair done or like literally like going shopping. Um, and either that or they were all talking about, you know, like pregnancy in the workplace or something like that, you know, but, but there was nothing that was there to help with learning how to rain make and how to you know, go about the business of, you know, being successful in the firm. Um, so I just really didn't see it as a possibility. Um, I, I just didn't know how to do it. And, and, and I didn't feel that the help was there. Uh, whereas at the time, I, you know, when I, when I started the firm down here, um, you know, I do a bunch of networking through the Georgia Women Lawyers. And there are so many solo or small firm attorneys there. And even if, the, you know, most of them are not in my practice area, but that doesn't matter, you know, um, it's a lot, of, it was so helpful to have that network when I was starting out on my own. And, you know, cause you, you make the same mistakes and have, you know, have a lot of the same experiences. And it's, uh, that was really, really helpful um, to give me kind of the courage to keep going with a lot of that, so. So along exactly along those lines, for our listeners who may not have the wonderful access to other attorneys through the, the state bar or whatnot, are there any issues, struggles, challenges that you want to share and how you overcame them that might resonate with our listeners? Um, 
I feel like everyone and <laughs> everyone has to learn to get paid first, <laughs> get paid in advance, you know, like I don't know anyone that hasn't gotten burned by, uh, you know, trying to um, be nice or, uh, you know, being like, oh, this will this, this person's a friend or, or something like that. Um, you know, just trying to draw the line between, you know, uh, your your business and, uh, you know, your friendships and or just trying to be be a nice person or whatever that means. Um, you know, if somebody's pro bono, that's a different that's a different matter. Like, it's not, I'm not telling you not to do pro bono work, but um, uh, you know, if if it's if it's not supposed to be, then you know, I think that's one thing that everybody has made that mistake of, you know, and then you you, you don't get paid. Um, well, I've always found that the more that you do get paid on the case you're supposed to, the easier it is to do the pro bono, the low bono, the the, the right. favor for a friend, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um. And I, I think one thing that's um, that has worked well is is developing relationships with attorneys who are in in different positions than you are. You know, like I have some friends who are at you know the really big firms, and so you know if somebody can't afford them, you know they can like pass them along to me, and know they'll get handled. You know, and and they're in good hands. Um, and the same for me is that I have you know like I'm. I have affiliations with some like local pro bono organizations and things like that. And, you know, if someone really can't afford me, then they can go there, um, you know, and so that's, it's good to have that kind of a network as well. Um, Makes total sense. So I, I think this all ties back together a little bit, but I want to make sure, because you're talking mm -hmm. about like you had issues with that book of business at the $600 an hour range. And then obviously now like the getting paid side of it. So did your, did your target client change? more than just from the money side or like or how did you see that money how did you see that hourly rate change affect who you were trying to connect with or who your ideal client is um you know i have a hard time answering who my ideal client is because i do have clients that are on the whole the whole spectrum you know i i have some some really big corporate clients and you know we do stuff for them on you know some things on like flat rates where we can or you know like just a monthly rate um and you know but also i have so I, I work with startups um but i do have flat rate packages you know that are like involved trademark searches and you know getting the application filed so something like that um i think it's helpful you know um but and and not you know again we we all work remotely so i don't have you know some crazy overhead that i'm you know trying to offset so i think that's helpful too um as so a lot of people are discovering. Like, I mean, it sounds like you're almost able to kind of provide the best of both worlds. Like you've got the opportunity to appeal to, you know, I don't want to say smaller company, but newer company. Whereas you still have obviously the vast experience and access to so many resources for the larger company when, you know, when push comes to shove, you got to pull out the big guns. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like to think so. And I've done, um, you know, I've done a couple of secondments for the bigger companies too. So I am happy to step in, you know, if somebody's on leave, you know, for like a couple of months and um, help out and then develop a, you know, it's, it's nice to develop a relationship, you know, with the, with the people who work there. And then afterwards, you know, when they need me, you know, from time to time to, you know, to help to be part of the team, um, I really do. I love that. I love having those relationships and, and uh, it feels good to, be like, all right, you know, I stepped in and, and uh, helped out for a little bit. And then, you know, 
there's I obviously provided some kind of value because you know years later they still you know come to me so um you know so that's that is pretty good but. like i talk to so many you know true solos that like their biggest complaint is how um like alone they feel or how you know lonely they are with a lot of it and so i think that's an interesting concept from this benefit of like having some opportunity here and there to be in more of an office environment or at least interact with uh, you know a smaller number of people consistently while still not giving up the flexibility and freedom you get having your own shop yeah, and I do, like I said, I have an attorney who's of counsel with me and he and I share, you know, some of our really big projects. So that also having somebody to bounce ideas off of um, is really invaluable because what we do in particular is so subjective. Uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 a lot of uh, very nuanced work around language. Um, so it's and, you know, he knows, you know, our clients is, you know, one of our big clients is, as well as I do. and so you know, knowing their risk tolerance and things like that. And it's, um, you know, that that works out really well too. So. so six years with the firm. So you've had a decent amount of time before COVID. And then obviously, unfortunately, we are still going through the COVID times. Mm -hmm. What was either the best decision you all made before COVID to deal with the situation right now, or what's been the best decision since that you all have made to continue to thrive? Yeah, it really hasn't. I mean, you know, obviously it's affected my life, but um, work, not that much, you know, because like, like you point out, like we were doing, you know, we were working remotely um, well before this started. And, um, you know, the difference is, you know, I had some clients that I would go to them for, you know, sort of in-person meetings. And now that stuff is over Zoom for the time being. Um, and there's a lot less opportunities for networking, um, which I... <laughs> I personally don't really mind. Um, I should, I, I should be um, sort of more social about that. But um, you know, I, I have some groups that I still meet with, and and um, you know, most of it virtually. But uh, you know, I don't. Uh, that doesn't really bother me that much. Um, but yeah, it's it's really from a work side, it's been kind of status quo. And I think doing what we do also. I mean, especially when things started with COVID, uh, everybody and their, you know, brother and sister opened up, you know, a work from home business, right? So they all had new brands they were launching. So for a while, like we were pretty, <laughs> pretty busy helping startups, um, you know, and, and that was, that's always kind of fun and exciting because they get really invested in their brands and, you know, um, they're excited about it. So uh, yeah, we, we did have a bit of work, um, that came out of, you know, everybody doing their own thing, um, you know, either on the side or, you know, as a main business from home. So. One of the things you mentioned in um, the questionnaire you filled out for us that I thought was so great is you talked a little bit about the changing of skill set. You know, instead of being this service lawyer, you know, hammering the hours, getting litigation, knocking that stuff out, now you've transitioned more the business owner. So I know you've talked about having a business coach. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that stuff but go into that as well as like some of those other skills that you've picked up to make that transition. Yeah, I think the, um, so when I, when I started working with a business coach, I was very much, I was, I was pretty closed off <laughs> and I was like, mm, you know, uh, business networking just means going to the bar, you know, the, the bar association and standing around being uncomfortable and, you know, like, uh, it's not my thing. Um, and like I said, like I had this idea that, you know, I didn't, 
I also had an impression that if I if I went to an event, a networking event, and I did not come away with a client from that event, and that I had failed. <laughs> and um, the, the, I working with the the coach, she was like, "Well, that's a little intense, you know. Um, maybe that's not actually a realistic, uh, you know, way to approach this this sort of thing." Um, and you know, she helped me to realize that networking can be a whole world of things. It doesn't have to just mean what I thought it meant was, which was, you know, going to CLEs and, and bar association cocktail hours, um, which if you like that, that's fine, but it's not, it's not my, not my jam. Um, yeah. I call those people but, the business card bandits who are just like right. the event and their goal is to collect as many cards as possible. Yeah. And she was explaining, she helped to explain to me that, you know, when you go to a big event and I went to, you know, I went to a couple of, conferences and things um that really the goal is to maybe come away with one or two like legitimate connections you know as opposed to like you say the you know the fistful of business cards that you get home and you're like i don't have any recollection who these people actually are um so that was helpful and i joined a couple of i'm in i'm really into theater and and just basically anything artsy and so i joined a couple of different boards here you know first i was on the board of georgia lawyers for the arts and then um actors express which is a theater company and then now i'm on the advisory board of outfront um, another theater company but so she helped me see that things like that are networking and and it just that it just wasn't in my head that that's that that it could be something that i could enjoy um you know and that's life-changing information yeah it really was it's like oh okay so i have permission to spend time doing this you know meeting these people that i like and uh, who have a common interest and in, you know like doing something i enjoy um you know, so, so that was, that was very eye-opening. Um, and that made me approach things a lot differently, or, you know, than I, than I would, I branched out and, you know, did other sorts of things and some I liked and some I didn't, but, you know, that's, that's part of developing the new skill set. I think is, you know, sort of being willing to, you know, put yourself out there and try different things. Um, knowing that, you know, some you'll like, some you won't, and, you know, you'll, meet some meet some good people along the way so i love it you mean you just see, you seem to have this way where it's like that right balance between going with the flow and being so intentional with everything where like you still have the enjoyment with it but you're still but you're building a brand you're building a firm you're building relationships like i like it a lot of people i think fall kind of too far to one side yeah, well, I'm not 20, so I think that helps. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's something you kind of you have to pick up along the way, figuring out, you know, what is what is going to work out. You know, it's a lot of trial and error, I think, um, you know, but but yeah, but thank you. I, I do. And I really enjoy what I do, which I, I think helps as well. Um, so it's, it, it shines through. And yeah. and that's the you know, I always tell people like, look, there's one point three million attorneys. There's four hundred thousand firms. So when people are deciding the one, the number one to go with, it's those other things that make the difference. And so, you know, you showing up in these groups and actually enjoying being there and actually participating and actually, you know, seeming happy, that's what really builds that relationship to make you the number one trademark attorney or personal injury attorney or criminal defense or whatever that they're going to go with when maybe they know zero or maybe they know 12, you know, you never yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. So what does the future hold? 
who knows? Um, <laughs> I think we've all been getting through the day for you know a couple of years. Um, I, I, you know, with with talking about sort of defining success and then redefining success, um, that's been that's something that I think about pretty often. You know, I don't have. I've never been someone that has like a five-year or ten-year plan. Um, you know, and I know I don't like that kind of pressure. <laughs> um, but I really I like where I am. I'm enjoying it. Um, I don't want to be a massive firm. Like I don't want to have a massive firm. That's not my current vision of success. Um, you know, and and having done, I think having worked at the big firm in New York, and you know, I've I've seen things at that level, and that was really exciting. Um, and is really fun, but it's not what I, what I want now, you know, um, and what I want now is to, you know, I have like this, this really nice situation where I can choose clients to work with that I gel with, you know, I mean, every once in a while somebody comes up and I'm like, oh, you know, that's just not a great fit, you know, um, whereas when you're at a firm where you've got this number hanging over your head, you don't, you know, you don't feel like you have the luxury of being able to be like, this is not a great fit for me. You know, <laughs> you have to take every opportunity that you, you know, that, that you can. Um, so it's, it's so true. You mentioned that because that's exactly every time I expanded my firm, that is exactly how I felt. Like we just worked our way out of turning down cases in that county with that judge with those charges. And now it's like, well, but now there's more, you know, there's a larger nut to cover. So yeah, very true. Yeah. So, and, and I think that, you know, that goes to part of like, then, you know, then you're happier and then you present yourself better. You know, if you're constantly someone who's like, oh, this client's making me miserable, you know, <laughs> like then, and I'm at a networking group with you and that's, that's how you're presenting yourself. Then like, I don't really want to refer people to you, you know, I mean, on, on the same token, you know, if that's, if that's, if you're someone who seems miserable doing what you do, then why am I gonna, that's not who I wanna refer somebody to. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that's part of like being, a, I think it works out well to choose clients that, you know, that you can work well with and that'll make you happier, make them happier, you know. Love it. So um, as we get towards the end, anything else you wanna make sure we cover, anything else you wanna make sure we talk about, we will have your biggest takeaway at the end but we've got a little um, bit more time if we've got something else. Uh, well, I do have my my LinkedIn blog <laughs> with my cat photos. Um, so that is, uh, you know, talking about branding, I guess. Um, that's, a, yeah, that's another thing with, with networking that I started doing a while ago um, is that I do this. So once a month I write, I call them trademark tidbits and I write some, you know, very, very concise, hopefully, um, you know, little article about something that's going on, either like pop culturally with trademarks or like some development at the PTO. Um, you know, the last one I did was they're they're going to change and not have paper registration certificates anymore, um, which doesn't sound very exciting, but it, it's, it is kind of exciting to me. Um, I will tell you, you <laughs> sent me them. I read through a couple of them. They were. I learned a bunch. They were not too dense for me. And I am like the opposite of a lawyer, of a normal lawyer when it comes to that stuff. And I love, you know, and you have the personality in them. And like, yes. really, what more do you want? Like you've got, you know, I, I trust you to know what you're doing from reading it, but also I trust you to be a human and not just be a lawyer robot. So. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I say, I include a photo of my cats with each one to sort of make the medicine go down a bit more. Um, 
and and those are I send those out to my distribution list once a month, and that is for me a way of staying top of mind. Um, hopefully, without being too annoying about it. Um, and like I say, they're you know they can read them, not read them, doesn't matter, you know. Um, but at least then the goal is when someone thinks trademarks, you know, if they have an issue, then they think of me, you know. So totally. All right, so I want to talk about our next episode. We're going to do the sort of double Atlanta back-to-back. Our next episode is with Regina Edwards, a family law attorney in Atlanta. Um, For those of you that don't know Regina, Regina runs the Lawyer on the Beach group. I think there's like 6,000 attorneys in it. Really helps people with either the virtual office, keeping expenses low, figuring out, you know, how to handle clients. And so I'm super excited to have her on. I've been bugging her about this for like six months, and somehow I finally got it to click. Uh, she's going to talk about client boundaries versus hand-holding, how to wow your clients and still have a life. And if that doesn't sound like <laughs> my jam and what we talk about here all the time, I don't know what does. So that will be uh, next Monday at, great question, next Monday, the 17th at 1.30 Eastern time. So that will be the same time as this show, just next Monday. That being said, though, Keely, you have you have shared an amazing story. You've shared so many nuggets of wisdom. I want either one more or repeat one. So if somebody has watched this show or listened to this podcast for 40 minutes and they remember absolutely nothing you said, except for what you're going to say here, what would be the most important piece of wisdom, the biggest nugget of help, the most, the best insight you want to make sure attorneys have to help them be the exhibit A of a successful lawyer as well? I think it's just, I, I might have, I probably said it a couple of times, but I, I think that success is your own, you know, you define what is successful for you and that that definition can change and probably should change throughout your career. Um, There's no one way to be a successful lawyer, um, but, you know, find a way to to be happy with it. That's being successful to me. Yeah, I love you. uh, You wrote it as the definition will change, allow it to change. And I think that is so (laughs) powerful because I think we, we get caught up so often in either we set our expectations way too high or we set our expectations way too low. And if it's too high, a lot of times we feel overwhelmed that we'll never be successful. And if it's too low, we feel complacent. And so you have to kind of constantly reevaluate this definition of success, which I'm sure like what you talked about, I'm sure for a lot of people it goes to like make a bunch of money, work in the firm, have the hours. And then when you get older, it becomes having more time with the family, with the kids, you know, whatever, with the cats, whatever it is along those lines. The cats are really demanding. I can't overemphasize that. <laughs> Dude, listen, I'm a dog person because dogs are easy and I don't want the, I don't want to have to convince a cat that I matter for a dog. I exist and I have food. I'm good. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm there with you. You are a, uh, a much more uh, caring pet owner or much more uh, whatever you want to call it discerning pet owner. Mm. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. To everybody watching and listening, if you are watching this live right after this, we are doing our 10 tips to a three-day work week webinar in our Solutions for Lawyers group. That will be in 15 minutes. If you are not watching this live, that probably means it already happened, but the recast will be available in our free Facebook group, Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers. So hopefully I will see you all there in 15 minutes. Then hopefully I will see you all next week at Regina Edwards' episode. Until then, have a wonderful week and a very happy new year.